0: 10 games unbeaten, things turn a little bit uglier, but that run and this confidence is maintained. Manchester United have climbed out of sixth for the first time all season and into fifth. In series four, episode 25 of the Manchester United weekly podcast, we're talking a draw against Burnley, a win at Leicester City away from home, a new contract for Anthony Marshall, and a goodbye to Maran Fellaini after five and a half years. Plus, as always, we have our regular extensive youth loan and women's team roundup. Jack, two games that didn't really blow anyone away, but two positive results in the end, despite the, the route to success being slightly less emphatic than it has been in the in the first eight games of Solskjaer's reign.
1: Yeah, almost without a doubt the worst two performances under Solskjaer so far, but that's a very high bar that, that has been set in the previous games. And at the end of the day, the most important part of it is the results. Obviously, the draw against Burnley was, wasn't was ideal. That uh, was a pretty poor performance, and we did well in the end to to come back and and draw the game. Leicester was a positive result. The performance wasn't great. I thought Leicester did very well. They shut us down, especially in the central areas. They stopped our midfield from dominating and being able to to release the forwards on the counter attack very quickly. But those are the kind of results that you need to just sustain this confidence, keep this run going. It would have been really really a really a tough pill to swallow if we if we'd have conceded late against Leicester, which it looked like we might we might have done on a couple of different occasions. But De Gea again again came through when we needed him. Um, it was a really good performance by him and yeah. Rashford just keeps up his, his scoring run as well. At the end of the day, that's a lot of what playing away at teams like Leicester comes down to. It's going to be a scrappy game. They're going to come out very fired up. They're going to try and dominate in midfield and stop you from playing. And I thought Leicester did that really well for the vast majority of the game. And it was really down to that one moment of quality from Pogba with the ball over the top and then Rashford for the finish. And it's not the end of the world to, to have to rely on that sometimes. If you have players like that, sometimes you're going to need them to yeah. pull something like that, a moment of quality out of the bag. And, and we saw that in the Leicester game. Yeah,
0: I mean, that is the point of the the, the world-class players that United have signed or have created from their academy in, in Rashford and Pogba. And this is a Leicester team that has uh, beaten City and Chelsea, has held Liverpool to a draw. Uh, has scored against all three of them, has scored against most of the top teams on a couple of occasions this season and I think it was partly, the win was made partly possible by the goal, as you say, we'll talk about the goal specifically in a second because it is a majestic work of art from two brilliant players but United's defence kept Leicester at bay. Um, The Burnley game showed some, some frailties in that United side and I think the biggest triumph for Solskjaer is, in addition to the, the mood of supporters, the freedom, the attacking freedom that Rashford, Pogba, uh, Martial, Lingard have been feeling and, have, and and the impact that they've had on the team. But I think the biggest success for Solskjaer, looking at it from a very pragmatic point of view, is the, the defensive solidity that United have had. And I think that was showed in in the Leicester game, in the Burnley game slightly less, but there were some changes in that in that side. And it's not just the defenders, it is... The midfield looks like it can protect the the defence more and the defenders themselves look, look much better. And I don't think that can be put down to, to confidence. It's probably the, the biggest and most consistent evidence of why it's not just go out and play that has changed United's short-term fortunes around. Because before Solskjaer arrived, we conceded 29 goals in 17 games and only kept two clean sheets in 17 games. And since he's arrived, we've conceded only six in eight games and kept three clean sheets already. That's that's not to do with confidence.
1: No, not at all. There's, there's been so much talk about Solskjaer just coming in and lifting the mood of the club. And it's really boring analysis at this point to just put the, the upturn in form down to that. I, 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 I completely get that for the first couple of games when Solskjaer admitted that that was, was what he was doing in the first few days when he came in and had you know five or six days before his first game. But especially since we went on on the trip to Dubai and we came back since the Spurs game, there's been some real tactical nuances that Solskjaer has put into the game plans against every single team since we came back from Dubai, especially against Spurs, which was the one that everyone kind of noticed. But since then, there's been little rotations, tinkering with the tactics every week, depending on who we're playing playing against. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. He hasn't just come in and said to everyone oh, you can be happy now, I'm here, you know, I'm going to put an arm around your shoulder. That has been part of it, of course it has, but it's not everything. And Solskjaer, or whether it's Solskjaer, whether it's Kieran McKenna, Michael Carrick, whoever it might be, the, the tactics that have being put in place on, are far more than just go out there and, and do your own thing. We are putting in new tactics every single week to try and deal with whatever the opposition can throw at us rotating well. It was a little bit concerning at the end of the game to see how tired a lot of our midfield looked. Looked very, very leggy in the last few minutes, but they have played a lot of football. It's been a busy period and hopefully they can get some rest in the next few days now. Yeah. But I, I think Solskjaer deserves a lot of credit for coming in and not only lifting the mood of the club, but combining that with at some very, very good tactical displays where... He's shown that not only can he adjust before a game, but he can also adjust during the game as well. And I think he's done very, very well in the main. I, I, I mean, I just think he deserves so much credit for what he's what he's doing so far. He's exceeded everyone's expectations.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the fact that the midfielders look leggy, and I think that probably applies a bit to the, to the defense as well. But the, I think before you said that, one of the I was going to say one of the key things in terms of being more solid as a defensive unit is the the settled nature of United's defence at the moment. Yeah, the absolutely. Fact that Victor Lindelof and Luke Shaw have started all eight Premier League games under Solskjaer. The fact that Pogba started, I think, nine out of the ten games. Herrera, Matic, this is a very settled team. And of course it's much easier to do that when the team is winning and performing. So it's not it's not a, a jibe necessarily at, at Jose Mourinho. But one of one of the things we found strange as a pair was the fact that Mourinho had always found a team and stuck with it and had a spine and didn't really find that United. And I think Solskjaer straight away has landed upon two central defenders in Lindelof and Bay, who he feels can be a long term partnership. He's stuck with Shaw every game. Ashley Young is his first choice right back and that is pretty settled at the moment. And in midfield we've got Matic Pogba and Herrera, which picks itself at the moment. And I think that contributes both to the the tiredness that we're seeing towards the end of the games, which I think is a concern, because even Paul Pogba who is an an amazing athlete and in addition to his ridiculous technical ability uh, even he was looking pretty tired the same goes for, for Jesse Lingard and a few others who we see as these kind of complete energetic players and Pogba was looking tired towards the end of that game and then suddenly he pulled out this one run which kind of wrapped up the game for United where he stormed past four players and then three surrounded him and he and he won the free kick when he'd controlled it with his head knee chest right foot left foot he pulled that one thing out but the, for the last 5 minutes he looks pretty tired so it is a concern but the, the settled nature of this team is is one of the key another key success for Solskjaer
1: yeah i mean we saw so many different centre back partnerships in the first 5 or 6 weeks of the season and he, even right up until Mourinho left there was never a settled centre-back pairing, never a settled back four, really, at all. And it is really, really nice to see... I mean, we've said for a long time that we see Lindelof and by being the long-term centre-back partnership at United, if no one else is brought in. They are, to me, clearly our best two centre-backs. They're both very young, with a lot of room to grow. And it was... We remember going back to the start of the season when they were playing together uh, at the end of pre-season to the first few weeks of the Premier League and then after the shocking shocking defeat against Brighton it, We ne- I don't think we ever saw them again until Solskjaer came in uh, I might be wrong I might have seen them once or twice but uh, there was never anything that was stuck to and it seemed like Mourinho had some rules for some players and some rules for others where Solskjaer has come in and he's settled on that back or definitely on that centre-back pairing and seemingly on, on the back four with Shaw and Young at, r- at right back and left back as well and it's helped to settle us down so 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 much Having Herrera in there as a uh as a third midfielder I think has also helped that. Mourinho's pr- often preferred playing a sort of four two three one rather than the four three three that Solskjaer has, has come in and, and put in place. And even though the four three three is often seen seen as a more attacking formation, having both Matic and Herrera in there who are better defensively than Pogba, just means that defence has a bit more protection than relying on Matic to kind of do it all himself mm. with only Pogba next to him in midfield. Yeah,
0: I mean, Matic is playing much further to the left at the moment, kind of behind Pogba. Yeah, So you've got Herrera kind of patrolling that right-hand side, pretty much sticking to the right throughout the game, Pogba is allowed to go forward because Matic now doesn't have to cover the whole line in front of the defence. Instead, he only has to cover uh, Shaw and Lindelof, who play on that left side. So it's it's easy. Everyone kind of has an easier role at the moment and everyone is, is enjoying that role, clearly. Um, and
1: Matic looks so much more comfortable moving moving on that left-hand side as well, yeah. as opposed to trying to cover the whole ground. Like, there was a great example yesterday. Um, I, I think it was right at the end of the game maybe 87th or 88th minute uh and we we lost the ball pretty high up the pitch and Leicester tried to break down the, their right hand side and Matic comes back covering for sure and make a really really important tackle about 35 yards from goal uh I can't remember who had the ball it might have been Mendy um but whoever it yeah. was if they would got past Matic it would have been a two-on-two against Bay and Lindelof and it was such an important break, in, break up of play and it, it Matich, even when he's not on the ball, he just looks a lot more comfortable in that sort of left-sided channel. Yeah.
0: Now I want to talk about the goal in a second uh, because it is it, kind of that moment was was just beautiful and, and summed up Pobbo and Rashford in in it, in a single moment. But before we talk about that, I, Leicester was a very good result. I think away from home at Leicester, where teams have come unstuck a lot of the time not mid-table teams, it's, it's been the big teams that have come and start Leicester have a great record against the big teams. But I wanted to talk about how Leicester managed to make us look worse than we have been in, in the other few weeks. In terms, of, They they kind of managed to nullify our threat a bit more. I think the fact Alexis didn't play very well compared to what we've seen from Martial recently is one thing, but not the only thing. But a big thing was just how they, they kept us from, they stopped us from going into those wide areas where we have really thrived in the last few weeks where Rashford can drift wide, Lingard, Alexis or, or Martial, whoever it is, Pogba especially. Um, they just pushed us us so narrow. Uh, the most common kind of pass combinations were from Shaw from the left into Pogba in the middle and on the other side from Young on the right hand side to Herrera in the middle. It was our full backs were forced to come inside and that's kind of how Leicester stopped us. It, it's that more than anything more than how we scored our goals, how we've had our success in, in other games shows us exactly where the strength in this United team lies.
1: Yeah, Leicester did a really good job of stopping us from from going out wide. That's That's been a big part of our success recently, getting that width and then creating space for, for Rashford to run into the, uh, down the sides of the centre-backs. And Leicester did really well. They didn't really leave much, too much space in behind them. And they really, really funneled all of our attacks infield and then just sort of, Squash, squash the space in midfield to not let Matic, Herrera or Pogba any chance really to, to kind of dictate our, our moves forward from there. I was actually really impressed with what Leicester did. I think that probably is the sort of blueprint that teams will try and follow against us now and we have to try and figure out how we can try and combat that and, and get out of trying to kind of being forced into midfield all the time when we go forward.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you're right and a lot of teams will start to follow the same kind of plan that Leicester have followed. But I think... That probably means a few more tighter games against teams of Leicester's quality, but I don't think big sides will will have will want to be so disciplined as as to do that. And United looked pretty good on the counter attack as well, but I think that that was quite a, a Mourinho-esque performance in terms of we've seen so many like that under Mourinho. A, a really good early start with some really nice football, but the game descended into kind of tension and, and sloppiness at times. Kind of beyond the 15, 20th minute mark. And then I guess the the main point is unlike last season when we gave it away and Harry Maguire scored to make it 2 2 during the festive period, Solskjaer's United kept their lead.
1: Yeah, it was. I think there are going to be quite a few games like this from now until the end of the season. We've sort of gone through the honeymoon period the first few weeks. And now it's about, like we've said for the last few weeks, it's all about keeping up the momentum, keeping up the confidence. And there are going to be games like this where we have to grind out results, not play particularly well. The more Solskjaer, the more games that Solskjaer has as manager of United, the more teams are going to be able to figure out what his sort of plan A is. And we're going to have to figure out how we can adjust to what teams are going to, going to do to try and stop us. And that was one thing that we often didn't have really under Mourinho, apart from bringing on Fellaini. And especially now that Fellaini isn't, isn't here at the club anymore. Solskjaer's gonna have to figure out a different plan B. The substitutes yesterday were, were pretty like for like. Obviously, Martial plays generally a lot wider than, than Alexis. Um, and Lukaku coming on for Rashford changed the point of attack a little bit, but it wasn't really changing the system too drastically. So I'd be interested to see what Solskjaer would do if we were in a similar situation or, you know, if we find ourselves one nil down with, with half an hour to go, how how he would try and change the system a little bit.
0: Well, I mean, we saw against Burnley that he, he made some substitutes that, that did make a difference and and the belief was there to, to go and get firstly a goal back and then and then get the equaliser as well. Um so I think they'll be harder tests than that. They definitely will, but that was a a good point but I, I said we'd move yeah. on to the goal I've been waiting to it it was going to be the first thing we talked about to keep things positive but we've been pretty positive despite not mentioning uh, a just a superb piece of skill and a superb goal it took four touches from Leicester losing possession to United having the ball in the back of the net uh, just ruthless clinical high quality and and the proper pass to, to Rashford is just a it's it's a microcosm of of what his wider talent is some it sums him up the speed of of his thinking the vision to see the pass the confidence to play that pass and then the the technical quality to play it perfectly so that Rashford can take it down and score is just it, it was just a kind of a, a little moment where you thought this is this is Paul Pogba doing the simple things on a ridiculously good level
1: uh, the, it was a sublime pass for the guy I think it's hard to I- explain how good that pass was in a lot of ways because it doesn't it doesn't look that difficult the way because kind of nonchalantly floats it up o- over the defense but it was such a great pass into Rashford the weight on it was absolutely perfect to allow Rashford to take it down and then get a strike a, a strike on goal before the defenders come down on him it was a brilliant pass and it really showed a lot of the difference in the way that we defend under Solskjaer as well. We're so much more aggressive. We don't... Under Mourinho, when we lost the ball, we had a tendency to just retreat and it was almost like survival mode. It was get as deep as you can, form as good of a deep block as you can and just hope that that the other team aren't good enough to score past you. Whereas now we're much more aggressive trying to get up the pitch and it means means that we forced the mistake out of, uh, was it was it Pereira, I think, who made the mistake giving the ball away? And then instead of you know, maybe picking the ball up in our own centre circle, we're picking the ball up 35 yards from goal where within four touches the ball can be in the back of the net. And that is a massive, massive difference from what it was under Mourinho. It is, I think, you know, there hasn't been that much emphasis, I don't think, in terms of reporting on how we've improved defensively. But the defensive improvements don't just start from the defence itself. It starts from the entire team changing their mindset when we lose the ball. And instead of being... OK, we need to see this out, we need to survive. It's we need to get back on the ball as quickly as we can. And from there, we need to launch counterattacks. We've seen it in the last few weeks of the goal against Spurs. We saw it in the game against Arsenal with with some more traditional counterattacks from deep. And this time we see it with very aggressive um, defending as soon as Leicester get the ball back and we win the ball back and 10 seconds later, we're 1-0 up. It was a perfect microcosm of some of the different different ideas that Solskjaer has put into practice since he's taken over.
0: Yeah, there's one small worry I have is is that we mentioned it about five minutes ago is the the fitness of the players. And there's no reason why they shouldn't be fit. But the fact they are running probably three kilometres more per game, two or three kilometres more per game, it's it's a big difference. Um, And I think the Dubai training camp hopefully helped for that a bit but the, so much during Mourinho there'd be times when Mourinho would go out and tell his team to, to press high and you'd see players like you'd often get one person pressing whether it was Romelu Lukaku or Jesse Lingard were, were the main two usually sometimes Rashford who would then look around after the opposition team had played the ball out from the back and look at his teammates as if to say why haven't you joined me? Where, where what's everyone doing? And that would be with 10, 15 minutes left in the game. And I saw that again against Leicester. I, th- I can't remember who it was, but someone charged forward, put the pressure on, and then looked around and started berating their teammates to say, well, where are you? We've, I mean, you can't do this in, in a one-man press, as, which is what we've berated Ander Herrera for doing before. <laughs> but you, you have to do it as a team. And I think that they, there must be an issue there with the peak fitness of this United team not saying they're not working hard enough I'm saying to go from one style to the other midway through a season is, is obviously going to be very hard Yeah
1: and look at I mean not not that Solskjaer's system is anywhere near as demanding in terms of pressing as Pochettino's is but look at when Pochettino first went to Spurs he said that in his first summer and for the majority of his first season, half of his training sessions were just on fitness because the team just weren't fit enough to play the system that he wanted to play. And although Solskjaer's demands on us defensively aren't anywhere near as big as Pochettino's, we don't press that much, but it's still a lot bigger than it was under Mourinho. And there was so much made about how, how few kilometers that we ran every game. You know, now to be putting in those extra yards every single week, it might not seem like a lot in a single game. But when it adds up over the course of you know four, five, six weeks, as it has done since Solskjaer took over, it makes a big difference. And we did see that at the end of the game. There was uh, there was one especially where Chilwell was going down the left in like the ninety first minute, I think. And Herrera just had nothing left. He just could not get anywhere near Chilwell as it as he went past him. And it, it's a little bit of a worry. Something we need to keep an eye on in the next few weeks. I
0: think because we found our perfect starting eleven, really, which seems to be. Yesterday's or the game against Leicester's team, but with Martial instead of Alexis, probably. Yeah. Um, I think when we've seen that changed, United have looked quite significantly worse when Alexis has come in, or or Lukaku has come in, for example, against Burnley, or when Jones has come in for Bayi, or or whatever change it is when Herrera has been taken out. I think the worry about fitness is even larger because. That is the team we need and there are a lot of big fixtures coming up in quick succession over February and the start of March where we pretty much need to win. Most of them we need to beat PSG, we need to uh, keep winning these games to, to keep the pressure up on the top four. We're now in fifth, we're getting closer but it, it has to happen and I don't know whether the quality and the, the rhythm is there in the rest of the squad Uh compared to the starting level so it is a worry but I mean going back to the goal Pogba 11 contributions in 11 goal contributions in 9 games under Solskjaer 6 goals 5 assists and Rashford on his 100th Premier League appearance at the age of 21 scoring again and I mean just the pair of them have been ridiculously good but someone who who hasn't been uh, quite so good and we mentioned him kind of making United look worse is Alexis Sanchez didn't look great against Leicester I think uh, plays too I think one of the big changes under Solskjaer is that Martial has been sticking to the wings for the majority of the game and then cutting in at a late stage when he gets near the penalty area rather than cutting in just after the halfway line. And the worry I have with Alexis is that on that left side, he can't work on that side he because he plays too narrow, too early, too uh, far down the pitch. And Pogba is the man right now. And that's where Pogba's playing. He's in charge. If I was a United player... Who am I going to be passing the ball to first if I have the option of Pogba and Sanchez? Well, it's going to be Paul Pogba because I've seen what he's been doing in the last few weeks. So that's my worry with Alexis. And he's not going to get into that centre forward position because Rashford's in form. And if it's not Rashford, it's going to be Lukaku.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, Alexis, because he seems unable to play on on the left at the moment, the 4-3-3 just doesn't really give, give him a place in the side. I think if Alexis is going to be playing for us, it needs to be in a sort of number 10 role. Where we saw him play really well for Arsenal on on quite a few occasions. But A, this 4-3-3 doesn't have a a traditional sort of number 10 role. And B, our most advanced midfielder in, in Pogba is in the form of his life with, you know, averaging over one goal contribution per game, which is a ridiculous return for any midfielder. And we just, we can't change that because Pogba has been too important for our team. And he, his performances under Solskjaer have been too good to, to, to take him out of that role. And so you you start to wonder where Alexis actually fits in at the moment because it seems like left wing would be the most natural place for him to start in this formation, but he hasn't taken the chances when he's played there. Martial has outperformed him in pretty much every game that that they've each played on the left wing. And so why would you start Alexis over Martial at the moment? Alexis isn't producing the game-changing moments that we saw him produce when he was at Arsenal. That sort of glossed over a lot of the the scrappy play, I would say, when he's on the ball. That, that's been the main difference since he came to United. It's that his, his play is still the same. He's always been someone that loses the ball a lot. We just haven't seen the game-changing moments from him. And at the moment, despite you know probably having a bigger reputation and being paid so much and whatever, you, you'd bet on Martial giving us a game-changing moment more than Alexis. Yeah. Uh,
0: Kadeem Simmons asks, how much longer should Ole Gunnar Solskjaer persist with Sanchez and is it time to just accept that it isn't going to work out? I think it's... It's difficult because this side is settled. We've got a big run of fixes coming up and what Alexis really needs is is probably five consecutive games starting to just go out and, and get back into the rhythm if he is to to come good. Uh, is it time to just accept it's not going to work out? Well, I don't think so quite yet because we've seen how good he can be. When we come to the summer, when we have whoever it is as our new manager, Solskjaer, Pochettino, whoever, then that's up to them. But I think he's worth he's so he can be so good that he's worth persisting with for a little while yet even if he is frustrating yeah
1: I don't think that, there's no rush with, with Alexis I don't think the rest of the team is playing well enough at the moment that it's not like Alexis being in bad form completely ruins our chances of making top four this season or going on a good run in the Champions League so I think there is still time to I guess to carry on the Alexis experiment if that's what you want to call it but I do think in the, in the summer there needs to be some reevaluation because having him in the side is stopping Martial playing as many games as as we would like. That obviously the club giving Martial this new bumper contract is a massive show of faith in him and his potential going forward. And so we need to put our money where our mouth is and not just not just pay pay Martial the the wages and give him the new contract but re- repay the faith that he showed in us by signing that new contract by playing him pretty much every week and the way that his performances have, have deserved and Alexis at the moment is kind of getting in the way of, of that development I don't think it's time to pull the plug at the moment I, I still think Alexis can be a valuable player for us towards the end of the season and he still does have that talent that we saw at Arsenal it's just whether he can produce it for United he definitely seems like he can't on a consistent basis but it doesn't mean that there isn't still a chance for him to maybe create some magic for us down, down the stretch this season
0: yeah, now Marshall you mentioned the contract. Uh fantastic news. I mean just think about how much Anthony Martial would cost Manchester United now. Uh we paid 36 <laughs> million for him in 2015. Uh what a waste of money was the headline. Um even if it's increasing up to 58 million it is worth every penny. I mean, you think back to his first season. He led United and and prevented a, a huge demise of United with 17 goals when he was still a teenager. He's developed Slowly, I think we would all agree. But I think he actually has developed a huge amount and is now a much more well-rounded and effective player. Solsha is speaking very positively about him. I think Solsha's influence will do him good. And I mean, just he's now he's he's still only twenty-two, and his goal-scoring record, even when he's been in bad form under Mourinho, even when he's barely been playing, even when he's only been coming off the bench, his his goal-scoring record is still pretty amazing um so I mean there's nothing you can say except it's brilliant news oh it's
1: absolutely fantastic news I I was starting to become almost resigned to the to the fact that Martial was probably going to leave this summer uh back in sort of November December when Mourinho was sort of in his lowest point at United and it's such great news to see him sign the new contract like like you said how much would it cost us to get Martial now and it, he really has a progressed a lot this season. I've been so impressed with him. Even under Mourinho, he was coming into form pretty well. And he just continued that under Solskjaer. He's gone from strength to strength. And I think what's so exciting about Martial is that despite how well he's played for a lot of the season, I still see so much room for improvement from him. There's His movement needs a lot of work still, You see the difference between him and Rashford when they play together and Rashford is constantly on the move. He's constantly giving defenders headaches and I think Martial needs to improve on that aspect of his game. But getting him tied down to a new contract is absolutely brilliant news and now it looks like he will be one of the focal points of our team going forward, which is exactly how it should be.
0: Yeah, we are finally... I mean, United could yet descend into chaos this summer. I think we should all keep that in mind because if united edward Woodward is still in charge yeah, there remains the potential for a complete and utter disaster in the next couple of years at united and and a continued demise but they are also now for the first time in the last four or five years seems like there's also the option for united to grow quite rapidly i think that's the difference there's always been the current kind of, we've always kind of been on the brink of of chaos or in chaos at times, but now there's <laughs> now we, there's three options. There is staying as a kind of okay, just top four or, or outside like Arsenal. There's the option that we might descend into chaos, and there's also the option that we could win the league within the next three or four years. I don't, I'm not convinced that we will, but it, at least it's a possibility now. Um, and Maran Fellaini leaving uh, is probably a good sign. That the thing is somehow I will remember Marwan Fellaini with with quite significant fondness Um, I mean just who would have thought it when when he arrived and, and in his first three seasons to be fair but I think I mean three trophies and a community shield so the FA Cup League Cup and Europa League and the community shield in Fellaini's five and a half seasons is a pretty decent haul for a Manchester United team that has been terrible for those five and a half years Um, it kind of just shows you that we should kind of be grateful for what we've won over the last few years but I think most United fans grew to like him um, or or at least respect him Um, three goals in semi-finals of Cups the Europa League League Cup and FA Cup all of which United went on to win Um, that magnificent chest that is just beyond description the power of that that chest control and he got United through to the Champions League Uh, round of 16 this year with goals against young boys and and Juventus but I mean I say it all that but at the same time Fellaini leaving should mark the end of the era where we praise average players who are earning more than a hundred thousand pounds a week for giving it their all I,
1: I, I agree with you about remembering Fellaini with some fondness even though he probably represents everything that has been wrong with the path of United over the last five or six years he has given us um, given us some gen- genuinely brilliant moments. Three semi-final goals, so many important important winners and equalizers late on in games. And listen, it's not it's not his fault that you know his style of play wasn't what we all wanted to see. There's a reason why three different managers saw him as someone valuable who could contribute to the team. And even though I'm glad that he's left because like you said it should signal the end of this era of us praising very average players for just playing slightly above average. I, we have to admit that Fellaini was very useful for us in certain in certain times, and again, it's not his fault that he wasn't used in a way that that we think he should have been used. He gave us some great moments, and the the only way we can we can put it is without him, we would not have won the three trophies that we have in the last few years that's what that's what really matters and and he was crucial in so many of of those trophies being won. Well, if I
0: think back to the, the best days I've had supporting United, whether I've been at the games or, or been watching on TV over the last few years, um, the FA Cup was one of them, the League Cup final was one of them when Zlatan scored twice, Fellaini got us there, that night in Turin earlier, uh, this season in November was one of the best nights I've ever yeah. had as a United fan, singing, well, singing Jose's at the wheel for about, three hours straight in the rain and that is those nights have been down to Fellaini weirdly enough Um, so yeah worth remembering and and respecting in youth news this week centre-back Roshan Williams has left Manchester United to sign permanently at Shrewsbury Town Williams has been unlucky with injuries over the last two seasons and hasn't developed as quickly as he and the club would have liked. He's a great player, very determined, and hopefully does well with a fresh start at Shrewsbury. The under 18s were beaten 3 0 by Middlesbrough, and the under 23s lost 1 0 to Southampton at home in a disappointing week for United, both of those games in the leagues. In low news, Timothy Fossimentz stayed at Fulham despite interest from elsewhere on transfer deadline day. He's fallen out of favour in West London and was expected to briefly return to United before being sent somewhere else but he has stayed put at Craven Cottage. Ethan Hamilton is doing fantastically well on loan at Rochdale. He scored his second goal for the Dale at the weekend. Joel Pereira joins a Belgian side KV Kortrijk reich on deadline day. They're 10th in the Belgian Pro League hopefully He'll have a better experience there than he did at Vitoria Setúbal in Portugal. Zach Dernley has signed for Oldham. Athletic on loan and Tom Sang has joined AFC Fylde. Matty Willock will play at Crawley Town for the rest of the season too. That's his fourth loan move while being a United youth player. So hopefully he has some success there. Lauren James scored twice for United's women's team in a 2-0 FA Cup victory against Brighton and Siobhan Chamberlain made a great penalty save too. Now, before we talk about the Fulham game on Saturday, uh, early kickoff on Saturday, lunchtime 12.30 away from home at Craven Cottage. Uh, A couple of questions. Another one from Kadeem Simmons, who says, does uh, Andreas have a future at United? Uh, Referring to Andreas Pereira, who was pretty poor against Burnley. I think part of the problem with Pereira is that he has been. I mean, we say this so much about players and some people think it's like giving giving them far too much slack, but he i don't think he's a defensive midfielder or holding midfield player. He looked okay there in preseason, but that was pre season. The times he's looked at his best and to be fair, even his best moments haven't been quite at what we would expect at United, but when he has looked at his best has been playing kind of a as an inside forward on the on the right or left. Uh, I have some reservations about Andreas Pereira but there's massive quality there. There's massive potential there. But he is twenty two and I I can't really see a future for him.
1: I, f- I feel a little bit sorry for Andreas because he's been shifted around to so many different positions, both at United and, and when he's gone out on loan. It seemed like the idea of playing him deep in pre-season and right at the start of this season was having him as some sort of sort of deep-line playmaker in the sort of Santi Cazorla, Shabby Alonso type of mould. And then a couple of weeks in the se- into the season, he gets dropped after the Brighton game for not any massive reason at all. He, he he wasn't particularly bad in any of the games. It was just the team wasn't firing on, on all cylinders. He was then frozen out for months. He he comes back in for a game or two here and there. And he gets played in this deep position because that's where people have seen him play for United in the past. But he he was never a defensive midfielder. He's never been someone who's very combative. He's not someone like Matic or Herrera. He should be playing further forward or even out wide where he played for a lot when he was at Valencia and did have quite a lot of success. It's it's tough for him. I think I think he does have a future at United if managers will have faith in him. I think it's going to be tough if they keep trying to persist in playing him in that defensive role because that isn't his game. But at the moment, I think he could be still a, val- a valuable player to have around. But I wouldn't blame him at all if, come the summer, he he looks to move elsewhere on a permanent deal because he deserves a chance to prove his quality in a, in the position that he wants to play in.
0: I think I think with Pereira, if he was willing to accept his role as a squad player at United, then he would have a future. But I I I doubt that very much because of what we've seen over the last few years with his agent and with his ambitions. To be fair, he wants to be a first team player at a good European club, so um, I mean that 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 makes complete sense. Interestingly, I think Scott McTominay is another player who has received a lot of criticism because of being, because of where he's playing Marino put him in defensive midfield because he's, he's tall and is physical but he grew up playing in attacking midfield he then dropped back as he grew in height but he missed the whole basically the whole of under 18s football because he was growing at such a quick rate he could hardly adjust to his new height and we saw him he scored a great goal for the under 23s I think in the Premier League International Cup uh, two weeks ago was up for United's goal of the month and the technical quality that Matomine has, hasn't been on show for United's first team because of where we've played. And I think we could end up seeing him as a, as a useful squad player, in a in a slightly further forward position. So just two academy midfielders who could yet have a future. If someone recognizes where they, they should play in and kind of reduces their defensive role slightly, um, Another question, um, Ike Ugoalas asks, uh, The performance levels are dropping since the Dubai trip, even though results have gone our way. Almost feels Van Hal mourinho esque Only a matter of time and the tide's made to turn against us. I hope I am not the only one concerned. My answer to that would be, I think you probably are the only one concerned. Since the Dubai trip, we've beaten Tottenham and Arsenal away from home. We've won all our games except one, which we came back by scoring two goals in the final 10 minutes. And we've looked pretty unplayable at times um, as we've said we have some small concerns over the fitness of United's players in the last 10 or 15 minutes of games which could cause a problem in the rest of the season but no I'm not concerned I don't think it's at all reminiscent of Mourinho or Van Haal's United teams I think we're playing with uh, with some entertainment we look much more defensively solid that's been clear statistically and just by watching United um, so no I'm not concerned are you Jack?
1: No nah, no not really I think this is just a bit of an overreaction to the last couple of games Obviously, Burnley and Leicester probably are the worst two performances we've had under Solskjaer so far. But I don't mean that we should read too much into that. Burnley, Burnley was, wasn't great, um, and was probably more concerning than, than the Leicester game. But the way we fought back was really heartening. And I thought actually we did okay against Leicester. It wasn't great. It, it wasn't perfect, but it's exactly what we wanted to see. Our, our quality players coming up with quality moments when we needed them. And it's nothing, there's one thing I think saying, you know, They weren't as good as our previous performances under Solskjaer. It's quite another thing to take the next step and say it's reminiscent of, of our, of our games under Mourinho or or Louis Van Gaal. I think we're, we're a long way from where we were under those two managers. And we, it's all, it's all about just keeping perspective in mind, you know? Yeah, they were a lot worse than what we've seen in the previous few weeks, but that's because in the previous few weeks, we were blowing the smaller teams away. We'd just beaten Arsenal and Spurs both away from home and yet and then when we go home we do have a not great result against Burnley and then we grind out on a way win against Leicester I get how it can feel a little bit disappointing but it's it's definitely not it's just that we need to keep keep our perspective a little bit and at the end of the day at this point of the season the most important thing is just picking up points yeah
0: and I think it's worth remembering that not every game can be a- hugely entertaining emphatic victory that's not how the yeah. Premier League works and
1: look how, Look how many games Liverpool have won 1-0 2-1 this season off not great performances
0: yeah definitely right that is all we have time for on series 4 episode 25 of the Manchester United weekly podcast thank you for listening as always for more from us throughout the week you can find Jack on Twitter at
1: at UTD Tait
0: and you can find me on Twitter at at Harry Robinson 64 on the podcast itself at UTD weekly pod that's P-O-D at the end there um, yes it's been too slightly less emphatic entertaining games but Ole's United remains unbeaten in 10 games Paul Pogba is looking uh, rampant as is Marcus Rashford and and things are good so uh, Fulham at the weekend Uh, we haven't given you our predictions for that because we run out of time so we'll let you go to work or to make lunch or whatever dinner breakfast who knows anyway have a great week goodbye